Well, the Bullens are moved in. <laughs> I think you had more more of the fellowship at your house than we have in the fellowship, but that that, <laughs> that was that was good. Glad you're moved in. This morning we're in Second Samuel, chapter nineteen, and we'll look at the first eight verses. Uh, for review, Joab has taken matters into his own hands by killing Absalom. Absalom, the rebellious, murderous son of David. But Joab, he was a, he was a captain over thousands, thousands of David's troops. And he will disobey David's orders to be kind to Absalom. Joab sees Absalom hanging from an oak tree by the hair of his head, and he thrusts three spears through his midsection. It says his heart, but that just really means midsection. And then Joab's ten armor bearers finish off Absalom. Joab throws the body of Absalom into a pit and covers the body with a huge pile of stones. Then after a day's wait, not on the same day, but after a day's wait, Joab sends a Cushite, a runner, to tell David Absalom is dead. David um, is moved to great mourning for his son, and he laments, My son, my son, Absalom, if only I could have died in your place. David, with deep regret, for Absalom and his behavior. David was fully aware of Absalom's sins, but David was also more than willing to die in his place. This plea by David to be a substitute death for Absalom, who is a grievous, wicked son, happens to be an example of God's love for sinful mankind. I believe with everything in my heart that God the Father would have died in the place of Jesus' Son in a moment. But Jesus came, became man. He was the perfect sinless sacrifice for the whole world. For you and I, coming, becoming a man and understanding the temptations of a man. And I'm convinced that God sending Jesus to the cross was every bit as painful as Jesus dying on the cross. It was a father's love for his only begotten son. And I know that God the Father would have gladly gave himself for Jesus. And we can only imagine the pain that God the Father suffered when Jesus cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you imagine the pain that the Father felt? It makes us consider the love of God towards us. Because God loved us so deeply, 
he allowed Jesus to suffer and die for us when while we were yet sinners and David is willing to die in the place of Absalom who was a completely rebellious sinful son and we get a get a little glimpse of why David is called by God a man after my own heart but Joab he kills Absalom he buries him but Joab is not finished with his dealings with Absalom or David. So let's pick up 2 Samuel 19, and we'll read the first seven verses. And Joab was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. And the people stole back into the city that day, as a people who are ashamed still away when they flee in battle. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants for day for today. I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had to died, then it would have pleased you well. Now, therefore arise, go out, speak comfort to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Joab, he receives word, David is weeping and mourning for Absalom. This was supposed to be a celebration time. David has been victorious. He's been restored as king, and it has turned into a grieving, a mourning funeral-type possession by David. The people pick up on David as mourning, and they retreat shamefully back into Jerusalem. Not a victory, but their king is weeping. And he's weeping in a loud voice for Absalom. Oh, my son. Absalom, my son, my son. And then verse 5. Then Joab enters David's house and he declares to David, Today you have disgraced the people. All your servants who put their life on the line by fighting for you, you have shamed them, David. These your servants are in shame. And it should be a time of rejoicing. They risk their very lives for David, but David only mourns for Absalom. David has retreated into selfish self-pity, mourning and weeping for his sinful, wayward son. David and the troops 
two days prior, two days previously, were in a battle for their lives against this Absalom. And then he's killed, he's defeated, and it's a great victory for David. And God has brought about this rescue of David. Remember, it was said of the woods, the danger of the woods has killed more than uh, the sword. And that's in verse 8, chapter 18. The woods devoured more people that day than the sword of David's troops. God has given David a great victory. Yet David, he's not grateful for the victory, but he mourns. And he mourns deeply. My son, my son, Absalom. But understand, God's wrath has been poured out on Absalom. God has delivered David, yet David mourns. Loudly and openly. We do not always understand God's wrath when his wrath is built up to the point he brings about judgment. And we can find ourselves giving self-pity or pity to others even and not understanding the holiness of God. David is demonstrating against God's deliverance for him. David does not like the way God has rescued him. And God's judgment, they can be severe. And all we have to do is look at Noah and the flood. It was estimated that the population of the world at the time of Noah's flood was about what it is today. That's a lot of people being wiped out by a flood. But God's wrath can be very severe. And in the Leviticus chapter 10, let me uh, read uh, seven verses for you where God poured out his wrath against Aaron's sons, uh, Nadab and Abihu. Leviticus 10, 1 through 7. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. And then Moses called Michelle and Eliphan, the sons of Uzzah, Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them out by their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses and Aaron, or Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and to Ithamar, his sons, Do not uncover your heads, nor tear your clothes, lest you die. And wrath came upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, be well the burning which the Lord has kindled. You shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. 
For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the words of Moses. Nadab and Abihu, priest, sons of the high priest Aaron, offered profane fire at the altar of God out in the wilderness. This offended God. And so what does God do? He devours them. And he devours them with fire. And these sons of Aaron, priests, are dead. But notice God's word. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And Aaron, you cannot mourn for your sons, lest you die also. God will not allow Aaron, the high priest, to mourn for his sons. The moral of this story is not missed by David. David was a man of scripture. He knew he was familiar with this action by God against Aaron's sons. David knew this. Yet David is also anointed by God. And yet David has the audacity to mourn for Absalom, his son, even though God was instrumental in his death. God used Joab, the captain over thousands, to destroy Absalom. And God requires those in his service to him that they carefully represent him. Today, there are many pastors who I think do not respect God over man. There's too many men pleasers that occupy pulpits throughout the Christian faith. But let me read you the Verse 8 of that 19, chapter 19 passage. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for everyone of Israel had fled to his tent. David is corrected by Joab, and now he encourages the people. we have to consider who is the man that will not allow God to correct him. God tells us, can the, pot, can the clay say to the potter, why have you made me this way? We have a time coming in its future called the Great Tribulation. When God's wrath will be poured out on this Christ-rejecting world. God sent Jesus, his only begotten son, to give man an opportunity to avoid judgment and death. And as Christians, we have taken advantage of this, our day of grace. But God is long-suffering, and he's kind, and he's loving, and he's compassionate. 
But God has been faithful to declare in his word his wrath, a time of judgment, a time of troubles like the world has never seen, is coming. We who have trusted in the Lord for our salvation, we will avoid this time because we will be raptured. Thank you, Lord. So rejoice in the hope of being with Christ and don't fall into the trap of being critical of God lest we find ourselves like David opposing God. The Lord tells us that his ways are not our ways. We want to sometimes judge God on man's standard. God's ways are above our ways. And when his wrath is built up to the point where he takes action, sometimes it can be severe. But we, we have the blessed hope of being with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to have communion here this morning. And God established communion for us, a time where he said to the disciples, I have greatly desired to have this meal with you. And God greatly desires to have that meal with you and I, his people. So we will have communion, but let it be special to you. Let it be that special time between you and your Lord. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer and then we'll have communion.